Welcome to Pivot Point. I'm Nathan. And I'm Chris. The podcast where two friends work their way through Tony Robbins' self-help book, Awaken the Giant Within, where every week we talk about how we intend to create lasting change, working our way through the book one chapter a week. We are using this journey as our pivot point to take immediate control of our mental, emotional, physical, and financial destinies. Chapter eight, questions are the, the answer. Questions are the answer. So, how was your week? It was really good, was actually. Better than last? Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's just, if it's the book that's making a difference or, you know, applying the principles or just the fact that I'm more conscious of it. But uh, this last week was... This is, it was still a stressful week as far as like external stuff, but as far as like me, this is one of the best weeks I've had in a yeah. long time. Oh, cool. So I don't, that's awesome. I was, as I was going through this chapter, I was, I was thinking like, uh, the earlier chapters I felt were a lot easier to like come up with things to talk about. But as we go through this and I'm like starting to work through some of the things that I have like going on, I feel like I have less and less to say. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So I think the questions too, uh, while I read this one was, this is like something we're actually really good at. Yeah, I so agree. Like we're really good at like, at, at basically anything. Like we might not understand what the answer is or why, why the answer is the way it is, but, uh, professionally and personally, I think we're pretty good at asking questions, at least of ourselves and maybe of other people, but yeah that's why i thought it was kind of hard to like get things to like specific as i was reading through it um yeah because it was like i i do this a lot this is actually what i'm really good at (laughs) it's the answers um that hit me harder yeah (laughs) yeah i thought so too i i had the same thought because uh you know i never i we've never like uh, you know i've never sat down and you know created a system out of it but you know this is pretty this is pretty normal like yeah so uh i just wrote down some of the and it might be some of the questions that he had in the in here i also wrote down just some stuff that i thought of that maybe we could at least discuss since since really i I think we're actually really good at asking questions so i don't toot my own horn or anything yeah well, I have a couple of notes from the <laughs> from the beginning of it. Uh, one thing he t- he brought up modeling again. Uh, I don't know if you oh if man you noticed that, yeah. but I, I I wrote that I wrote that down okay. as well. I, he talks about it a lot. Like, and this is something that you and I have had conversations about um, well before we started reading this book. Was how um, like a major and it was a it was a big thing in Joseph Campbell's book is uh, like mentorship and a lack of like elders i guess in a society and what kind of impact that's having on people coming up and uh yeah because when he says modeling he's he's talking about having a mentor like that's that's what he's talking about uh, right i mean i'm not misinterpreting that no so I, I actually wrote down uh model questions after someone you respect and i wrote arrow over and it says he talks about this a lot <laughs> another arrow over and it said mentor yeah so that's exactly what because I, he doesn't say mentor ever no. uh, that I can find, but he does talk a lot about modeling after somebody. 
So my question to you, how do you even find a mentor? Like you're, you're in a different organization, you're in a different job now, so we can, we can compare at least a government gig to civilian gig, but even then, like to me, it's very hard to find a mentor. Yeah, so I think, uh, so I, I'm gonna toot the horn of my company um, a little bit, cause <laughs> I got really lucky where I landed um, in that, you know, they have a- Yeah, that place sounds terrible. Yeah, it's a, just a bogus place to work. Huge mistake. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. But uh, they have a specific um, measurable goal uh, that they started uh, right before I got there about at a minimum manager to employee mentorship. Um, and that starts at the top with the CEO mentoring the people underneath him. And then, you know, all the way down, uh, it's not, that's not a perfect, um, situation because, you know, you may end up, no matter how good the organization is, there are going to be people that get put into roles, just the Peter principle, they're going to rise to roles that they're not qualified to do. And, you know, they may not be people that you want to model your life out after in a personal aspect, um, but right. I do think it's good that they're at least trying, uh, that they're, you know, they've created something, at, at least the base of. Um, I don't think it's actually that hard. I, and I think this is probably why he goes the modeling route instead of the mentor route. Um, I don't think it's that hard to find somebody to model yourself after. Um, you know, I, I can pick and choose pieces from several people already in my organization that uh, that I want to be like uh not their whole person, but at least the little aspects of them um, that I can model those behaviors. But to get somebody, right. a, a mentorship is a two-way street. You can't just say, well, I'm your mentee and you're my mentor. Like that has to, that, that's sort of like an, I think it, it needs to be like an organic thing that happens over time. And it's it's an awkward conversation to have for sure. Um, so I don't, I don't. I think so many... I don't know. Yeah, I, I, oh, I completely agree on picking and choosing. But I think at a certain point, it would be really nice to have, and, and maybe it's that, like, uh, even through this or just plain discussion, we're mentoring each other just by, you know, like, even we might be on the, on the so-called same level as far as, like, hey, what do I do here? And then you're just kind of figuring out as you yeah. go. Or, uh, but it would be nice to have... Uh, I don't know. Like if you had that C-level person that you could be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, it, it it's hard though to find that organically. You yeah. Know? It definitely uh, is. And it, so not to like, I agree with you that that's sort of what's happening here between the two of us. Um, but it sort of, it sort of becomes like a blind leading the blind situation, you know? Um, right. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Like at a certain point, this doesn't work. Right. We're going to, at some point. It does, but it's not going to. Yeah. We will run into things that neither of us have encountered before and we we'll, we won't have a good answer. Um, but I think this is a broader problem. And I guess this is a little off topic, but whatever. Um, I think this is a much broader problem, like as a, as society as a whole, because like, you know, in Joseph Campbell's books, he talks a lot about initiation rights and, um, you know, we'll just speak specifically about men um, because that's what we are. So, you know, there used to be a major rites of passage as you grew from a boy to a man and we don't have that anymore. And so that whole like aspect of being accepted into a tribe is all gone. So in those moments, it would be a lot easier to find a mentor if you were 
if you were explicitly accepted into a tribe. Does that make sense? So you're, you know, you're explicitly yeah. welcomed into an organization, an organization, and you know they say we are here to help guide you, and then you can easily grow those relationships and find somebody that fits. That's not how it works with a job. I mean, I guess a job does explicitly welcome you, but it's not the same type of thing. So I don't know that I don't know that a workplace is even the best place to find a mentor, you know? Cuz that person may have to fire you someday. Right. Oh yeah, or you could surpass right. them. Right. And then what does you that know, do to your relationship at that point? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, if it's a good one, it doesn't do much. Right. Like it's I mean, if I had somebody and I and I have, you know, on the on the military side just because of the way things were structured, they surpassed me and that was like a hey that's awesome but that was you know uh but the relationship was there to uh make that and make that work you know that doesn't always work especially on like in, in a in an actual company yeah yeah definitely when you end up you know competing for the same spots and and all that right so i don't know i don't know the right way to find a mentor um i think and then maybe that's the reason he doesn't use that word and why he com- keeps going back to modeling. Um, because you can model behavior without actually knowing a person. Um, right. You know, you can just see that behavior in and action. he does pick and choose. I mean, he, you can tell by his stories. He'll, he'll take a story of, oh, man. He, Let's just talk about it. Yeah, he uses, <laughs> he uses, he uses the, the current president a lot Yep. in his stories. So he... He's clearly modeling either positive or negative. I think in this one it was an actual negative trait that he was using. I think it was both. His. He did at the beginning but it was uh, a positive, and then it it he he talked about how it eventually turned into a negative because he stopped stopped asking the questions. So yeah, but they uh, yeah he so he does that a lot. He uh, he being Tony uh, Robbins. Tony go uh, throughout the whole book. He's using certain stories and everything. I just think that there's not a feedback to that. So if we're going to go back to the original point of the chapter of asking questions, there's no... Uh, so if I say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna have a miracle morning, like Hal Elrod, or what's it, Elrod? Hal Elrod? I think his name is the guy who wrote that mm-hmm. book. It doesn't matter. If I'm going to do that, I can't ask him questions. So I can't do it for three or four weeks and then say, like, hey, man, I'm having a difficulty doing this. Or, you know, whatever it might be. Or, hey, I'm thinking about restructuring this part or taking this class. That person's not there. You know, so then you're you're looking at, or if you're venturing into something completely new, there's the, the person isn't there to ask those questions to. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Say like, yeah. hey, and they don't know you organically, or not organically, they don't know you personally. So they don't know, even if you did get a hold of them, nothing negative about anybody they're just not going to know you well enough to answer right which is why you know as i mean i don't fault anybody for trying to make money but these like these guys who will offer like mentorship for a fee over the internet i i don't see how that could possibly benefit the anybody um i I don't know i i guess if it's for a specific purpose you know it's like a business mentor you're you're running a specific type of business and you have somebody who's done that before it's one thing but somebody who's just a, a general life mentor, you know, a person you look up to, talk to. I I don't know how that could work with a yeah. total stranger. Yeah, otherwise it just turns out being 
some sort of lifestyle consulting. Yeah, it's just really, therapy really with an about. unqualified. Like, we hired somebody to talk about it. <laughs> right, yeah. And instead of paying for that, I just do a podcast. Exactly. So, so I think I, I agree with you. And I think that I think that you can get into trouble. Well, whatever. I think you can get into a little trouble with the modeling uh, at that aspect. Maybe not get into trouble, but you may be misinterpreting it. He tells the story about Donald Trump and how uh, the reason that he was so successful in the late 70s or early 80s when New York City was going bankrupt and all this was that he asked the question, uh, you know, what's the risk? And as long as he could absorb the risk, he did the deal. And then in the late 90s, he let hubris get in, you know, take over and he stopped asking that question. And then, uh, you know, his financial status began to plummet. I don't know that that's an accurate representation of what happened. And neither does he, unless Tony Robbins, you know, consulted with the president, which I highly doubt. Um, He doesn't seem like the type that would take advice from anyone. So, um, so he's, he's making an assumption that, you know, he asked that question every deal when he has no way of knowing that. Right. I don't know. Or to hear it directly from him to say, I, I do this. Yeah, and maybe he did. Maybe he said it in an interview at some point, and, and that's where he got it. I don't know. So going back to, I mean, we, we jumped off on a, on a decent yeah. tangent there about <laughs> modeling after somebody. But the, uh, I mean, overall, we have had pretty uh, – and I could, I'll stop talking about how awesome we are <laughs> at asking questions, but because that's all I kept thinking about on this, I was like, "Oh man, this is great!" Like, this is like, I mean, the references to like Henry Ford mm-hmm. and how can I mass produce it? Like, these are all things that we ask all the time. And and what I wrote down was, we've asked ourselves a lot of questions about processes and improvement and different things of our lives, and we've answered them with how we answer them. I think this is more of like how we can change. He talks about changing the verbiage on a question. So we did it a lot with you and I, just personal conversations, talking back and forth. And we'd say like, why didn't we start something yet? Or why didn't I do that? I mean, we still do it every once in a while. One of us will text the <laughs> other and send, you know, some business or product idea that we had talked about, you know, a year or two years ago. And you even said, we need to be, you know, leaders of something so we can implement this stuff. In reality, it's just like, what question, are, you know, do you want to do that or whatever, you know? I yeah. don't know. It just seems like it's just, we're asking the question like, why didn't I start that? That's not the question that we should be asking. Yeah, I wrote that I wrote I that know. down as well. Because uh, from the Walt Disney story specifically, because um, he talks about how Walt Disney would put up all the frames and the, and the scenes from the movie, and then he would have all of the people come yeah. through and answer the question, what can we improve about this? And he, what I found interesting was that he never asked, what's wrong with this? What's broken about this story? He said, what can we improve? And I think um, I was trying to think back um, on some of the things that, some of the bigger projects that we've worked on and some of the like major improvements that we made um, and trying to think about the questions that we were asking. And I think the times that we were most successful, it was, okay, this thing is working really well. How can we make it work better? 
or how can we how can we take what we did here and apply it here because that was successful versus the this is broken i don't know what to do with it type of conversation i don't know i just yeah i thought that was interesting because i was a I, I was able to apply that as like a real world thing that we've been through oh yeah and and i talked to or i thought about it too is we've also done it on a professional side where we say hey this is what we're gonna do uh and this is how you know we asked the question of what needs to be done because that wasn't answered yet but then we said hey okay this is what needs to be done and then months later reevaluated and asked the same question again and got a different answer and we're able to pivot and move on to that other one i don't do that a lot with uh i mean i do but like it's not a drastic change with my personal life. So that was my biggest thing that I got out of this was I'm really good at it on a professional level, but on a personal level, I'll ask myself the question, but either ignore the answer or just, just plain out give a, a dumb one. Yeah. You know, I, so this is uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it's interesting. I hadn't read the chapter yet when, uh, when I left for the weekend, my wife and I went to Indianapolis for the weekend uh, just to, just for the two of us to hang out. Um, and, uh, it was her birthday and she just wanted to get away from the kids and, and everything else. Um, so we went down there and while we were on the way down, we, we made the decision that we were going to go to Ikea and, and look around for some new stuff for the living room. And, uh, so we went and <laughs> we were there for a while. And, uh, <laughs> if you calculate the, fill that van if you, up, if you calculate the dollars <laughs> per hour, that it costs to be in Ikea, it's pretty expensive. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as we were leaving, we were talking about it and about what, you know, we we had planned on this, on on redoing the living room. So when we, when we walked into the store, we knew what the plan was. And it was essentially to replace everything in the living room except for the couches and loveseat. Um, so uh, we got done. We left, you know, there's... That's exciting, Yeah, it definitely is. There's a little bit of, like, sticker shock because, you know, it's it can add up. And uh, so we were talking yeah. about it, and one of the things that came up was that um, we've been married for 10 years now, and almost all of the decorative stuff in our house has been given to us, um, to given to my wife, you know, from her mom, her sister, other family members. Um, you know, the original stuff came from my mother-in-law and then that was kind of the style that my wife decorated in when we first got married and as people saw that they bought her more of that stuff well somewhere along the line <laughs> that stopped being something that she wanted the house to look like and uh but it's really hard to tell people no and to like turn things away um so we have a house full of stuff that it doesn't make us happy and you know, that was one of the big things when we read, um, uh, oh man, I'm t the life-changing magic of tidying up or whatever. Yeah. The one about minimal, minimal, minimizing, uh, Minimalism. yeah, she says that <laughs> everything in your house should bring you joy. And if it doesn't, then you should get rid of it. Um, and that's down to everything, the socks that you wear, the dishes that you use, if it doesn't bring you joy, then what's the point in owning it? And we've gotten to a point where almost nothing in our house is bringing us any joy except for the few pieces that we have bought for ourselves throughout the years. Um, 
But now we're in a spot where our entire house has been essentially decorated by other people. And we have just sort of coasted along for the last 10 years, letting it happen. So now we've got this Niagara syndrome where we are literally at the edge of a waterfall in a rowboat, like desperately paddling away from our house, turning into a French country market. And (laughs) I don't want any more. That's exactly, that's exactly it. No more floral stuff. So, and we've, as a couple, um, we've made uh, over the last couple of years, a lot of changes to ourselves. And um, my wife, especially over the last three years has dramatically changed a lot of things about herself. So this was kind of a big deal. And, uh, so I just thought it was interesting that like, I have no idea why I started that story. What were we talking about that made me start that story? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody go back and review the tapes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was something about not asking, it was something about not asking the questions. It was about just being content in life. Um, because our lives were so good oh, yeah. in the in pretty much everything else, and you made a joke about it today, uh, you know this podcast is two guys with pretty good lives, like <laughs> trying to get better, trying to make them better, and uh, right. you know we've we've had a relatively good life, so we've never really like asked the questions, what makes us happy, what do we really want this to be like, and I think that's where a lot of my faults have come in. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Is it just, I'm just very comfortable. And so I'm not asking the questions I need to ask at home, you know, about what do I need to, what do we need to do to improve? What do we need to do to make this better? Because I'm just so comfortable. So for me, the big thing that I took away out of this is that for me to ask those questions, I need to make myself uncomfortable. Because I think when you and I worked uh, at our best, it was when we were behind or when we were really struggling with a system that was completely broken. Um, You know, take, for example, uh, you know, we work in IT, our ticket queue, uh, you know, we were at like 14 or 15 days to turn a ticket around when we took over. And, you know, that made both of us really uncomfortable because that's a very broken system. But I've never been in, I can't think of a comparable situation in my, in my life where I've looked at something and said, oh man, this has to be fixed now. So I have to generate that uncomfortableness, I guess. And I think, yeah, oh, most certainly. And I've been trying to, uh, I've done a couple things on the, on the outside of this that I don't know if I've talked about much, but like I've volunteered for, um, just none of them have happened yet. So I already do junior achievement in a classroom, but they sent out an email and normally I just delete these emails, but they sent out an email the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually saying like, Hey, we need some people to do a whole, like a half a day class. I think it was a half a day or a whole day in a middle school teaching basically economics. It's the junior achievement, but it's like all in one day. So normally it's like one hour a day for five weeks and you do one day a week. Uh, yeah. This was all five hours, all in oh, one wow. day. So I normally like, you know, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. And I dismiss it. But this time I, re- I replied back. I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and, you know, told him the element or the, the middle school I'd like to do it in. And now I'm kind of freaking out. <laughs> like that's five hours with a whole thing. Like I have seventh graders at a local middle school. Yeah. And it'll be interesting, but. 
So there's that, and then there's another one where there's we I think we talked about Starbase a while ago, but that's the DoD Education Steam program. But that I volunteered to speak at graduation of two of their graduations. So it's things like that that I completely agree. Like I would have normally dismissed both of those and moved on, but I've been trying to like find those things and be like, oh yeah, I'll do that, hoping that you know maybe that mentor is at one of those events, yeah, or you know maybe that person that I don't know. It's just getting out of, outside of the shell and outside of the the common uh, traits that every day that I have is. Yeah. I don't know what you call that. Like, but yeah, the the. No, just getting outside of your comfort zone. I mean, it's, and it's really hard to do. Like, it's it's hard right. to force yourself to do. It. I think that that's two really good ways to do it. Because holy cow, that would make me uncomfortable. Um, but. Yeah, like, so the normal, like, one hour a week, I get uncomfortable. Like, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, but, you know, like, an hour is easy to yeah. get through. That's easy to get, you know. Uh, five times Five that. hours. Four hours, something like that. Yeah, so I'm, but, you know, I figured what, like, teachers do it every day, so it can't be right. that hard. I mean, I'm sure it's hard, yeah. but it's it's one of those, I, I uh, as soon as I did it, I was like, ah, oh, crap. Like, here we go. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, what if there's, like, the one kid that's, like, a, a real loser <laughs> and he yells or something? Like, I don't know. But it, And then I got to thinking about it. And he even said, like, in here, uh, I was trying to find it. But he talks about, you know, what what do I have going well in my life or what do I have? And I thought, you know, like, this is a this is a business thing. How many thousands of pages have I read of business or written of business stuff? So... Like, if I can't hold my own in a seventh grade class, then I should probably stop talking about business yeah, altogether. Probably so. just unfollow the stock so I'm market. I'm pretty excited for that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just well, that's cool, that's so, super awesome. I, yeah, I and uh, and there's some other stuff I wrote, or one other thing I wrote down was like, I you know, what. Or actually, this is a question he asked. What power could you release by asking simple questions? And I, I really liked that as far as thinking about it in a way of, you know, what we, we always think about the complicated ones, like what business can I start? What empire can I create? What, you know, what kind of, how can I change my uh, physique, you know, through physical fitness or whatever? Like, what's the simple ones, you know? Like, hey, what am I going to do in the next 10 mm-hmm. minutes? Yeah. That's the ones I struggle with. Because I can plan all day long for, like, everything out. But it's the next 10 minutes that I I don't even pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really liked his... Uh... Yeah, I agree. And and asking yourself the right questions that will get you into that mindset. I Yeah. Which is what this whole thing is about. I think I'm going to really start... Like, I don't know if I'm going to start doing the journaling in the evening. I probably will. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to give a go at a few of these questions at least, um, every day just to try to, cause I, I've been wanting to start journaling and I, we talked about it early on in this podcast and I, you know, I've never started it. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I'd really like to start doing. And I think this is a really good, simple framework to get me started. And so, um, I think that's what I'm going to. I did it for a couple of weeks, and I just saw my journal the other day, and uh, I, I realized I had not. 
and I don't know the timing of the day was the best. Yeah. So I would wait till we were like, it sat on my end table next to my bed. And it was like, that was the time that I did it. So I'm not sure that that's the best time because I was tired and it's easy to just discard it. It's easy to just go, man, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. to sleep. Uh, so I, I've been really thinking about doing the, I did the early mornings for the workouts and that was great. But uh, I, I think the mental aspect is, is much more important in the morning is to maybe do it in the morning. Yeah, getting the day off on the right that foot. That and do the meditation in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. For those that haven't read the book, um, he's got a set of, uh, they're called, he calls them the morning power questions. And it's just a set of questions that he asks himself every morning. Uh, what am I happy about in my life now? What am I excited about in my life now? What am I proud about in my life now? You notice, I'm sure you're noticing uh, a theme as I did as I was reading these. What am I grateful about yeah. in my life right now? What am I enjoying most in my life right now? What am I committed to in my life right now? Who do I love and who loves me? And those first five are almost, they're basically the exact same question. But I think that the yeah. point is just reinforcing those ideas over and over and over because um, it's super easy to to ask yourself those wrong questions. He's got the story in there about his friend whose business partner left him. And as the story started, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be some like sappy story that he tells about how he turned this guy's yeah. life around with simple questions. And then I started to think about how that conversation would actually go. You know, the way he wrote it is probably not the way that it actually happened. Um, but if you, he asked him like, what are you happy about in your life right now? And the guy was like, nothing. My life is horrible. I hate everything. And so then he rephrased the question and he said, okay, if you were going to be happy about something in your life, what would it be? And then the guy started to open up and he did that same thing. If you were going to be grateful for something in your life, what would it be? He did that three or four times before the guy's mentality started to like shift around. And it's, you can call it, a, I mean, he even says it, you can call it a mind game or whatever you want, but it's literally just a tool to change your focus because it's really easy to, like he talked about in the last week's chapter with the race car driving, you go in the direction that you're looking. So if you can focus on positive things, like ideally, I mean, more than likely, you're going to have a positive outlook. I wrote down that. Uh, I've oh, noticed it too when you're just doing like simple tasks. You know, if you think about uh, just from starting this 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 program and doing this podcast and reading through the book, it's just sometimes it's just that little jogger. You know, when you're like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> even though you know you should. Whether whatever whatever it is, you know, wash the dishes or a task at work, and then I just sit and think like, why not? Like, why would I not do that? And most of the time it's just like, cause you're lazy <laughs> and then I just do it, you know, like, I don't know. And it's a simple question, but it, I do it a lot yeah. now, especially reading this book. Like, um, and I've been, uh, I've been thinking about it. I've tried this entire week to not think about, uh, we, we talked last week about doing some more woodworking and doing some things in the shop, some projects, not thinking about starting a business. That's really hard for me. It's so hard. Like I... <laughs> And, and what's funny is I've actually programmed my wife to think the same way. And and she 
noticed it. Well, I took off some time this week, and I did a couple projects, and uh, you know, attempted a couple projects. And uh, she even said, I think I, I started the project on Wednesday or Thursday, and then I think she said on Thursday or Friday, she was like, you know, I was going to tell you, like, you should make this a YouTube video or start taking <laughs> pictures so you could write it in a book. And she's like, I, I realize, like, halfway through, like, you're, this isn't what you want to do. Or that's not what you want to be encouraged right. to do. And I thought, man, like I've, like, we're all thinking this way now. Yeah. So, but it's really hard, especially after doing this for, I mean, we don't, we, we brush over it and we talk about it a little bit, but this is eight weeks we've yeah. done this. So that's pretty amazing for both of us. And it's a pretty cool, yeah, we don't, we're not on the featured, you know, up and comers list or on any podcast <laughs> provider. Nope. But uh, uh, by no means at all. Uh, but it's still a lot of fun. Like, I still have people ask me, you know, like my mom said the other day, she says she feels like she knows you, you know, and, and there's certain things that she's excited. She's on, I think, episode five right now. But it's still it's still a lot of fun. And so I said a lot of things in that whole rant there. But the main one was that it's very hard for me to not think about business and not think about trying to turn something into something else. And then on the flip side, when I did do that, i.e. the eight episodes now, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I've been trying to associate that more with if I really like podcasting, I need to make another right. one. And I need to do it the right way. And I needed to do it in a methodical, just like we do now. As you know, every Sunday night, 8 p.m., we're on the computer doing it. And my family knows it. I'm sure yours yep. knows it. So... I just need to look at it just like this and create that habit because there hasn't been a week, uh, I think one week that I thought about like, uh, maybe we shouldn't do it. But that we talked about it as well, like that peer pressure against each other that we weren't even talking right. and, and it, and it made it, made us want to do yeah. it. So. Yeah. I, uh, I had one more note I wanted to uh, bring up. Um, this is something that I know uh, we have briefly talked about in the past, but um, he had a he had a question where he was talking about examples of of negative questions and negative phrasing, and the question was, "Are is you are you as frustrated as I am about this project?" And maybe maybe no one's ever come up to me and said that ex exact phrase, but they've asked me that question before which is essentially are you as mad about this as i am are you as upset with so and so as i am can you believe so and so did x um and it's like a so yeah it is a huge issue um no matter where you work or where you who you hang out with it doesn't even necessarily need to be work um because i think when you're down you want to commiserate you want to have other people down there with you, you know, wallowing in your, in the sadness. Um, and when you're when you're feeling good, you want to empathize with people that are down. And so I, I think it gets you from both ends of the spectrum, no matter where you're at. Because um, like we, you know, one of the very first weeks we did this podcast, I said I was going to try to be more positive at work, and I'd been doing a really good job of that uh, up until. <laughs> up until the last week or so and uh this week has been this last week was really hard um 
because on Thursday of last week, uh, one of my coworkers was let go. And uh, so this week, uh, there have been a lot of questions and a lot of talk and a lot of rumors. And it's been really, really, really difficult to not involve myself in those conversations. Um, and people are subtle and sneaky about it because I've been, I've been paying really close attention because um, I don't want to gossip about it because I, I do know all of the details and, you know, it's, it's not right to, of me to share that information. But people are really sneaky. <laughs> like, I've had people oh, yeah. come up with some really creative ways to try to get me to talk. And the only reason I noticed it was because I was specifically looking for it. And I, I talked to Alyssa about it every night when I came home. I was like, oh, you're not going to believe how they tried to get me today. Like, like they were all investigative oh, reporters just trying to squeeze a little bit of information out. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, so I don't know. That was, that one was one that, uh, a piece of the book that stuck out to me big time. Cause it's something I'm definitely dealing with right now. People aren't asking me like, so how do you think though, like, you're asking yourself this question. I mean, if we're going to relate it to like the chapter and, and what we've gone through already, you've created that basically that neuro associative to say like, as soon as you hit like a, a small conversation, you're already looking for it. Yeah. You're kind of waiting yeah. for it. I mean, I, I wrote a article about it. I don't know where I put it. Like it's probably some, some old blog or something, but it was about how like hate and and talk like that is like a drug. Mm -hmm. Like people really want to take a hit of it. Yeah, like, definitely. Badly. And it's really hard to get away from it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, as soon as you're in it, you're like, oh yeah. And then not to mention when you have information that everybody else wants. <laughs> yeah. You just you'd love to be the Michael Scott in a situation <laughs> and run around and tell everybody. Yeah, Stanley's right? having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And no one's asking but. the question like, you know, to relate it back to him. Nobody's asking me, you know, what, what kind of opportunities do you have now? Like what, you know, what, what are you going to be able to do to make things better now? It's, it's always, they always want to know the negative stuff. And oh you know, yeah, I wish I could just blast this whole chapter out to people and say, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you go through and, uh, uh, it wasn't really an exercise, but did you pick a problem and go through his five, uh, questions, his problem solving qu questions? I did not. I so did for not. those who I... have not read it, um, he's got a set of problem solving questions. Um, I'll just read them from my notes. And so he says, you know, to solve any major problem, you can you can just sit down and do these these questions. Uh, what is great about this problem? What is not perfect yet? What am I willing to do to make it the way I want it? What am I willing to no longer do in order to make it the way I want it? How can I enjoy the process while I do what is necessary to make it the way I want? A little bit repetitive um, and a little simplistic. Um, but for somebody who doesn't have a lot of practice with asking questions to solve problems, like this is a, it's a really good jumping off point, I think. Oh yeah. And it's a, sometimes I get caught up in the, in each one of these, 
you know, so like some of them are pretty easy to get through. Like, oh, what's great about this problem? Like, okay, that's easy. To, like, I can easily find the good in something like that. But what's not perfect yet? That's where it's like, oh yeah, okay, here we go. Like, get the <laughs> pen out. That's easy to like. I get, and then I never hit three, four, and five because it's Cause you've you got just, two pages of imperfection listed. Yeah, I've got two pages of yeah. Okay, okay, I can tell you how I don't eat yeah. right. Like. So I think that's a lot of what he's talking about is that question exemplifies it better than the rest of them is what's not perfect yet. That question is phrased very specifically so that you pick something that is you're working on or that can be worked on that could be made perfect um, or close to it. And I, I think when yeah. I think it's really important when you're listing and you're doing these questions is to really limit yourself to like one or two answers as well. Um good detailed answers not like a list of things uh, i'm addicted to twinkies i'm a fat slob you know like those yeah my wife buys too many cookies kool-aid is delicious <laughs> like none of those are good answers to why you're overweight not you but like and if you think about like so the like the how how can i enjoy the process while i do what is necessary to make it the way I want it that's the that's the part that I think is I think that's one of the best questions out of all of it because all the other stuff is most of like most people get through it's a great it's a great series of questions but that one is to me one of the hardest to get through you know whatever it is you're doing if you're starting a podcast if you're getting a new job like how do you enjoy it while you're not very few things happen that fast yeah. you know like they you're trying to learn a new language whatever it might be you have to enjoy it to get to the point where you're comfortable in the realm of everybody else yeah yeah that one i think for most problems kind of hard sometimes it's hard to jump out and do yeah definitely and i don't i don't have a great answer for that the one i i the problem i picked i i kind of got a cop out on number five because it's something i already enjoy doing so it's (laughs) i didn't really have to think about it really hard (laughs) But now that you bring it up, like if it was, if it was something else, it would, but we've talked about that. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks is coming up with ways to reward yourself or make, you know, associate that pleasure with that activity. You know, we'd like for running, we talked about how I, you know, I found that I really enjoy the races. So I've, I've scheduled out races to, oh yeah, to motivate me as, as a reward essentially, um, you know, diets, most diets and, have a and cheat podcast day. this podcast is just using it. Yeah. Right, yeah. And using this podcast, I what I enjoy the most, like, because I, I, don't, I don't foresee it making it much larger than what it is or, or getting that much. I mean, I don't know. But the, like, the small conversations, you know, that maybe you and I will have, like, on a text real quick, back and forth, like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about that on Sunday. Or just a, a family member or a friend that says like, Hey, I listened to that app. This is, you know, this is what I see. Um, or I don't know. I've sent you screenshots of certain texts that I've gotten and they're, they're pretty cool to get. So that it's a small things. Uh, and you can use those on anything. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it, you know, it, this gives you, it gives you a platform to brag about it too. So like, this is a, this works really well for a lot right. of things because you know, say you get up for three weeks in a row at 4.30 in the morning and you run or you work out or you meditate 
like you can get on here and say, Hey, I did this for three weeks in a row. Like I'm, I'm doing it. And you know, that's a, that's a dopamine hit to be able to brag. Even if, even if there's only, you know, a dozen people listening, it's, it's something. Yeah. So. For sure. So I liked the chapter again, just like many other times all the way up to the end. Then he had to, throw in the at some point you've got to stop evaluating <laughs> and start doing yeah <laughs> real jerk yeah and then he left it on a real teaser for the next next chapter so yeah right did you have anything else from this one no i didn't i didn't really have anything else i i, I enjoyed the chapter i thought it was really good i like the five problem solving questions yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna write those out a little neater somewhere else in my workbook or in my notebook and use those. Cause I, you know, I picked something, I, I'll just say what I wrote down. I, I, uh, the pro the problem I wrote down was that I, I now have two people's work to do in, uh, one person's hours. Um, cause I essentially absorbed an entire person at least until we can get a replacement in. And so this week I, I've sort of been overwhelmed trying to figure out how to handle that. And so I, this was a nice structured way for me to look at it on a problem that I've been a little bit overwhelmed with up until now. So, so I think it's good. I'm definitely, I'll definitely come back to those. Yeah. And like I said, I think I'm going to try to start meditating or not meditating, but journaling with his, uh, with some of those questions that he had in the book, uh, whatever he called them. I like those a lot. Those are those to me. And like I said, I'd like to try it in the morning. I, I don't even know how I missed it, but I didn't even realize he it was the morning power questions. I don't <laughs> know how I missed that at all. Yeah. But uh, those are definitely something that I think is an easy takeaway. Those seven that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that's a super easy uh, thing to do with a cup of coffee in the morning is to just do that and. Right. And to talk, yeah, just to think about them. So, so I thought it was a good chapter. For me, I think I'm going to try this week to just put two of those or something of this sort in on a, on a note in my car because it's like I have a good 20 minutes to think yeah. on my way in, and normally it's a podcast or whatever, but I can listen to a podcast and think of these pretty easily. Yeah, that's a good so, idea too. Uh, I did take a couple of the questions from the earlier chapter and write them down and put them on my mirror in my bathroom just to kind of, you know, look at every time I brush my teeth or, uh, you know, I'm in there. And uh, that helped, but it wasn't, that's just not enough time. Like you read it and you think about it and then you, then you move on with the next step. And it's in, in a car, I think that might help yeah. me out. At least give a little bit more in-depth thought because that's something that I've been wanting to work on is the, the more in-depth thought of certain things. So Yeah. And the introspective, yeah. I guess. There you go. But. <laughs> so I read the next chapter, chapter nine, the vocabulary of ultimate success. I read that, uh, just that title, and it made me think about uh, that we might have to have an e-meter. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh man, I wonder if he worked with L. Ron <laughs> Hubbard. Like, <laughs> It was my first thought. Uh, <laughs> so, for those of you who aren't aware, L. Ron Hubbard is the founder of uh, <laughs> of uh, gosh, Scientology. Scientology. Blank. 
Scientology, yeah, yeah, and an e-meter is one of the things that they and use. And he's so. obsessed with words and the <laughs> meaning of words. And the associating of, yeah, and, and using them in the proper yeah, it's context. Like a, so. It's a huge part of the beginning of Scientology curriculum, like hundreds of hours, so. That people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to study just vocabulary in yep. that. Re- religion? Cult, well, whatever you want to call it. Let's not judge. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> we don't want to offend any of our listeners. Somebody might be a Scientologist. That's true. Oh, we'll crap. take their we'll take their downloads too. That's true. In the in that belief <laughs> in that belief there structure, go. there's a that's a it's a highly. <laughs> All right, you got anything else? All right, sir. I don't. I'm excited for this next week and. And the hit week nine. I think every every week I'm excited just because it's just one more week that we're we've been doing this, and uh, I, it's like yeah, the Jerry Seinfeld I really method. It. I enjoy of productivity, where he just like tried to string together as many consecutive days of writing as he could. Just I don't know, just as like a counter or whatever. Anyways. Yeah, that was yeah. anticlimactic. I was really hoping you'd jump in with some very deep and thing, and we could just say, "Okay, nope. all right." His we'll whole method that. is just to write every day, and then like try to get to as big a number as he can <laughs> of consecutive days. Oh, right on. Well, this is week eight, so all right, man. I guess I'll talk to you yeah, week sounds nine. Sounds good. See ya. See ya.